you are still gathering the information yourself from different sources. You're going to different places, you're educating yourself and you're using that information. Um, whereas you're sort of your own coach in the RX to hatchet. You're trying to, you know, gather information from other people to, again, you're still sort of coaching yourself a little bit, but you're gathering information from other people. You haven't developed maybe a specific one-on-one relationship with that person. Um, but I feel like I'm talking to basically everyone listening to this podcast right, right now that isn't a remote coaching athlete. Yep. Um, so seek advice on all of those topics. Just start screaming. <laughs> oh, you'll hear me. Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning into another episode of the Misfit Podcast. Drew, Sherb, Hunter in the house. Hi. Ted behind the camera, making sure we sound like Average Joe Buck best. and Marv Albert. Idiots. Pat Summerall. <laughs> Damn. Sorry, Perfect. not so much Marv Albert, but more like uh, Joe Buck. <laughs> I'm going to warn everyone. He's definitely listening. I woke up <laughs> early. I had a lot of energy, and I've still had too much coffee. I'm not sure why I'm gripping the microphone right now. Well, why don't you fucking grip that grip tester over there, big girl? Well, I mean, if you want to just blow my teaser up, wow, um, that's way fine. to ruin it. Way to ruin it. So <laughs> it won't be ruined once Sherb loses. I'll Mission be happy accomplished. Again. My grip's Wait, tired from yesterday. You're fucking tired. Yeah, we got to talk about that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Maybe that's the next challenge. One thirty-seven. I mean, that's PR. not the worst one you've ever had. It's pretty close. <laughs> Your deadlift, bro? Kilos. No. Still not good. 150. 151. I knew it. I didn't feel like I had leverage. Put your elbow on the table. What we just get to do as many as times as we want. We're not going to show anyone that. 151. <laughs> That's a score. Whatever we got last the second time was his actual score. 170. That thing's stupid. All right. Well... <laughs> I'm gonna start inverse order of inverse order of size and strength gonna, as usual. I'm start experimenting with how little I need to try to beat you guys. So that was week one. Twenty five. Congrats! Was still yeah, you lost a world record. The weak version of your grip is weaker than us. Congratulations! <laughs> Figure that one out. Hold on a second. Uh, so Sherb said something about his grip being messed up from yesterday. Is there some sort of round two team misfit challenge that we can throw out? So Hunter yeah. writes this workout, and I'll probably get this right. Maybe I will. AMRAP, 18 minutes with a partner, eight hang squat cleans at 185 pounds, nine bar muscle-ups. Switch anytime. 125 for women. 125 for women. Switch anytime. Yep. Yep. Um, You guys got 14 rounds? Yep. On 15, yep. 14 plus what? Eight. Eight. So you got buzzer the, beater. Got the buzzer beater. Buzzer beater. Okay. Yep. Hmm. The first pair, the first only pair to beat that score. And I mean, you, you got to be able to prove it, but we're probably not going to watch the video anyways. Um, you got to be able to prove that you did it. Take if a you video. beat them and this can be male, female pair, male, male, female, female, doesn't matter what it is. Yep. RX, we will send you a gear pack. Now this isn't like Sherb says he's going to get you a gear pack and you get a t-shirt and a sticker. This is this is a meaty. I got a nice note too. This is a <laughs> meaty gear pack. I will pick this bad boy myself because I'm gonna redo this. This is a disgusting workout that was programmed, and I loved that Hunter programmed it. And then I got to watch how much apprehension was building. I was a little bit nervous about it. 
It wasn't. How about that look you shot me that I posted this morning on Instagram? <laughs> oh my goodness! A lot of good scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yes, you like? I put some of your squat clean ones in there. Some of those facial expressions good. are nice. Um, so maybe we'll <laughs> yep. we'll print a life size photo of his terrifying. Send him a fat head of Hunter. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> oh man! Um, you know how many clicks that would get? Three. At least, at <laughs> least three, maybe. if not four. Maybe um, four. Speaking of Team Misfit, you gotta uh, email the link to yeah. podcast at misfitathletics.com. Um, you got the workout, I just, right? I just get excited and run with it. You guys can figure out the logistics of what happens after that. That's, that's what, what I do that's too. What Sherb did to me. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> hey, if you do 150 swings unbroken, Hunter will take care of everything for you. Hunter will give you a back massage. Hunter, also, Hunter will fly out to your gym and also, give you a back shout massage. out to those people. A lot of people. Yeah. Too many people. You dangled, too many people. Dangle the carrot. People yeah. can people right, can get like, after oh, it. Oh yeah, all right. 150 Russian kettlebell swings and sure as shit. We got we probably sent out like ten gear packs. Yeah. Decent amount of people. community could do it. Surprisingly, yeah. you know, yeah. one of the things you put out there, We're Russian gonna, swings, not overhead, is where does the Russian swing stop? So you know they sent videos in and mm, every couple, single person. Couple chin level swings at best that not not what we're looking for. All right. Yeah. So shout out to everyone, but the people that Hunter's talking about. So, <laughs> so I think one thing that, that we sort of skip over sometimes that's super important is the three of us follow teammisfit.com programming. We do not follow misfitathletics.com programming. God, that place Absolutely sucks. not. <laughs> um, and I mean, there's obviously sort of a convenience factor to it, but we've morphed these ideas of misfitathletics.com hatchet and teammisfit.com we've sort of brought these back together so that originally the hatchet class followed the misfit athletics hatchet program now you're having a class that someone shows up to that has completely different programming that can clash with another class and they're just there because it's a convenient time of day for them not the best idea not interested but luckily <laughs> we're open to iterating and we've found this spot where teammisfit.com has programming for all gyms that have that one hour, that standard CrossFit class, and then a hatchet extra, which again is really just a nod to the hatchet style athlete. The hatchet extra is not from the misfitathletics.com hatchet programming. Um, and I mean, obviously everything is inspired by everything because the three of us write all of it. Yep. So you're going to see similarities that are in there. And sometimes an idea is just too good on Team Misfit and we use it on Misfit Athletics and vice versa. But the one thing for me that's been really fun recently is more and more of these hatchet extras or at least the Metcon, you know, what what the regular class would be doing as well. I can jump in. I can actually do them because if you haven't listened to the podcast before, squatting and pulling from the ground, not really in the cards for me. I always think I can do certain things and then I do them and I'm injured again and it sucks. So being able to come over here and bike with the group to do, you know, ski erg intervals with the group, gymnastics, whatever it is, is super fun. And a lot of people were surprised when you guys did so well in some of the open and <laughs> because, you know, we, we gained quite a few new customers over the course of a full year. So they're welcomed back into this thing and they're like, Oh, these guys are my coaches too. Like they actually exercise and, Sorry that I'm not one of those people uh, anymore, but <laughs> I just think from time to time. I honestly just think it's worth bringing up because it's it's a it's a great program. It's <clears throat> super fun. Like we we do think that Hatchet and Anywhere 
are a better model for someone who's sort of out there on their own than Team Misfit. Um, but the 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 affiliate programming works really fucking well. Yeah, I guess the the thing that I think it's really I'm not important tooting to, my own horn because I do not write it. Something for Hunter and I that's really important is the class experience and making sure that like we realize that Misfit Athletics has a very specific aim. Hatchet has a very specific aim. You're trying to be better at the sport of fitness, which encompasses very many things. But every athlete that comes to your gym isn't necessarily you know care that much about what their percentage work is. They just want to come in, get sweaty, have a good time. But that doesn't mean you just can do random shit all the time. Like you should have a plan and think things out. So I think we've done a good job of balancing each other back and forth because, you know, there'll be something that I want to bias the program towards that, you know, if we, if I did all the programming, it might be put us in kind of a pigeonholed situation. And then Hunter has his own deadlifts thoughts. and wall balls again. Is it bad for the third time this week? I've just figured we're your different scheme. All right, Rose Prince guy. <laughs> but the idea here being is, you know, we wanted to develop a very robust fitness. We, you know, have seen through 10 years of programming plus that certain things work really, really well, but there are doses that are appropriate for affiliates. There are movements that are appropriate for affiliates. And you know, you can move the needle in a very dramatic way for everybody, regardless if they're a very high level competitor or, you know, their grandfather that's coming to the gym. And I want everyone to have that same experience when they come to the gym, that they can see progress and that things make logical sense versus kind of like the, you know, random assortment of, we'll just push the random workout generator and whatever comes up, we'll do that tomorrow in class. Yeah, I have a really big, uh, very interested in the concept of leading by example. And so when we kind of shifted the programming a little bit for the affiliate side it was like okay we like the standard at our gym is going to be the coaches are going to take class obvious like we have austin and caroline who are a little bit kind of the exception being that they're trying to qualify for the crossfit games so they're still doing workouts that are written by the three people in this but room they provide but, another like a different level of inspiration exactly mm -hmm. yes and they are still like a hundred percent part of the community they're not on their own <clears throat> island but um it's super important to me that the coaches that we're all doing the same program and um, part of part of that is like, OK, Sherb and I are, are former, you know, higher level or aspiring higher level athletes, regionals and stuff like that. Not super interested in that anymore. You probably more so than me in kind of challenging your your fitness. Um, but. It's like, okay, we want to write stuff that we want to do, like that I want, we want to make something challenging. So yeah, an 18 minute AMRAP of a heavy hang squat clean and bar muscle ups in an affiliate class. Like we, I want to, we want to provide the opportunity for coaches both at this gym and then subscribers who are following like, oh shit. Like, cause more often than not, the coaches are, you find a coach in a gym that's probably on the upper end of fitness capacity just because they have access to the gym and maybe they got involved because they were wanted to be competitive and get the key to the gym and be able to train whenever. But we want the program to be um, doable by the everyday affiliate athlete, but also still give that challenge to the coach. Cause I guarantee like that workout, that workout is a challenge for anybody. Mm -hmm. We posed it to Caroline and Austin and they were like, this would suck. We would do this as an imam. Uh, or or faster and right. after we did it i was like yep that's possible sorry that would be terrible so we want to provide that opportunity for the coaches to be on the same program as their affiliates um but in the same in the same vein that we want the athletes to be kind of on the same program we need the coaches to be able to we need the coaches to have the proficiency to scale athletes and develop their uh kind of talent level as far as coaching because no, we did not have our entire gym, contrary to what you might think of as being, you know, Misfit HQ, 
Our entire gym was not doing that workout RX. As a matter of fact, most were not. We had a few hatchet athletes doing it RX, a couple folks in our evening classes doing it RX, and then most people were scaled like appropriately. 10%, and still right? got, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> so um yeah, the the we're we, we really like how it's going and it's it works well for works well for us. I would say kind of learning from our own mistakes that, you know, we did have the situation where the MFT programming was different from the gym. It was different from people doing open gym and it just effectively sort of fractured the community where we're not all on the same page. You know, why is so-and-so doing a squat cycle over there? Why are they Olympic lifting over here? How come there's bikes outside doing bike sprints? And it just didn't build a very tight knit community where the, the goal for the average affiliate member is, you know, health and performance, whereas the sports side is more just honestly, for a lot of them, just performance. So there was the ability to bring all of these concepts and ideas together. And I do think right now our gym is as tight as it's ever been because- And as and, fit as it's ever been. And as fit as it's ever been. And because people can, can jump into any hour of the day, get a really good program, and then, hey, guess what? It open gyms after 9 a.m.? Oh, great. I can't come to Hatchet today. I can jump in and do the Hatchet extra piece. Or, you know, for whatever reason, maybe the MFT or the Hatchet piece on the blog- works for my fitness or kind of addresses a specific need, great, I have the access to do that. But at the same time, we are able to control effectively what the athlete does in the day-to-day -day and make sure that regardless of where you are in your fitness journey, you get a great workout and you're working towards either health or performance or both at the same time. Um, this past weekend, I turned 35 years old, wrote an article, 35 lessons from 35 years, and one of those was influence over control. The idea that if you really want someone else either in your life or someone that works for you or one of your customers to start doing something, you need to show them why they would want to do it to get that ball rolling more than you do this. And it just doesn't it doesn't work. So Hunter talking about that when they see the coaches in class, when they see, you know, the the 1% of the gym that wants to be like Austin and Caroline, they have that example set for them as well. Like the idea that you can just tell people what to do and because maybe you do know better or you don't like that just it it never works it's not practical the, yeah the green the leading bite example thing is something i definitely resonate with as you were saying that like i remember growing up playing like high school sports like never was the most talented athlete but it's like if i work really hard i could be a starter on the team or you know have a major role in the team and i feel the same way in the gym like if i'm going to ask an athlete to do this metcon i better be willing to do it myself in some capacity obviously talking like your situation drew like i'm not going to tell you to go out there and try to do five rounds of burpees and deadlifts because you'll ruin your back but you'll find a version that similar for you you know we've talked about it a bunch of times how stimulus matters more than movements but we try to create that same level of buy-in here like look all of your coaches do this program they're all getting really, really fit look at this person who's been coming for months and months and months and has taken themselves from this place to that place it's just because they come consistently and when the when the upper level of the gym kind of buys into that it has you know compounding effects on people as they go through and through so i, I really do think it resonates with hey we're doing this program because we really believe in it and like look at our performance. And if it's working for us, it will work for you if you try. Yeah. And that the leading by example thing too, doesn't necessarily, you know, for, for folks not super involved in, or I, I've done a lot of reading on kind of the leadership and management and, and my past experience has given me a lot of really good examples of what that looks like. It doesn't necessarily mean you are doing the workout RX at the top of the leaderboard every single time. Not every coach or athlete is going is going to do that. It's not about, you know, like, oh, if I'm a coach, I need to be doing the class work. It's been a hot topic for, for years, yeah. whether like, does your coach need to be able to show out? No, I and I would 
uh, that's a good, that's a great, completely separate conversation topic. But I'll I'll just kind of clip the tip of the iceberg and say like, it, it's not as important that you are doing exactly the, you know, if, if the workout, it, it's more, it is more valuable to show an athlete, hey, I'm going to scale this because this is how I'm going to get the stimulus that the coaches or whoever wrote the program wants me to get. I'm going to modify to achieve that. That example setting is more valuable than I'm a coach, so I'm just going to hammer that, try to do this RX. I'm going to look, I'm going to go five minutes slower than everybody else, but because I'm a coach, I have to do it as prescribed. No, modify in the same way, the same way you expect your athletes to, you know, to kind of check their ego and modify to get the right workout. You have to be willing to do the same thing. If you're trying to create influence, you have to live and breathe what you preach. Like if you don't practice what you preach, why would anyone else listen to the advice you give them? Like, I think that's a great example from coaching staff is that like, yes, it would be great if I could always do what's on the board exactly like it's written. But guess what? We talk about all the time. It matters more that you get the stimulus of the workout. You get the objective that's briefed at the whiteboard. That is the more important part. And we've seen that when we've taken that shift, and that's something that's happened here at CrossFit MF now Misfit Gym Portland when I started back here 2013 as the the head coach kind of moving home from Pennsylvania, like it was RX or die around here. It's like, if I don't have my name on RX next to it, what the fuck? Why did I even go to the gym today? Should I get stayed home? Cause I can't show out. And when we slowly broke down those barriers and said, Hey, wouldn't you like it better if you got a good workout, you started to create that buy-in. And we just saw the athletes kind of take hold of that and be like, you know what? I really want to get a good workout. That, that should be my goal. I want to have fun while I'm here. I want to get a good workout. And they noticed by having those two kind of in the front of their mind, they're getting the performance gains they were after to very begin with because they're not so obsessed about just doing exactly what's on that board. Yeah. I think the word that came to mind when you were trying to parse out, like you don't need to be any specific person. Mm -hmm. The word that popped into my head was willingness. If you, if there is a willingness to try to emulate what you want other people to do, that is the stepping stone. That's the thing that we have to get there. What, who, the people that are being referenced in this question are people that don't give a fuck about the thing in their own life that they're trying to get other people to do. And and that to me is a line that you can't you can't be on the other side of that line. And yeah. I think that there are a lot of coaches who, you know, because they're maybe not competitive anymore or anything, they just sort of give up in that realm. And I just don't think you're going to be able to sell it in the same way. And I mean, we're we're workout salesmen just as much as we are programmers. Yeah, like, it doesn't uh, come off authentic. It feels forced to do that. Yeah. Um, so upcoming media, uh, well, upcoming media and like sort of in, in case you missed it, we got page Semenza podcast. I just, I want to bring that back up because there are some, some nuggets Gems. of wisdom in there and actually something that we're going to get into in yeah, this podcast we'll reference later for sure. Um, we have a push press tip coming out and we wanted to a tip video. You'll see that on social media, on our YouTube channel. That's an important one, even though it's simple, because if you're using a tool to bridge a gap between one thing that you do in the gym and another thing that you do in the gym, there has to be skill transfer. There is absolutely no point to doing it. We sort of, you know, joke about like if there was a one rep max push press, you see a lot of people like heels off the ground, hips you know, in another county (laughs) head in the, in the further county away in the opposite direction, like, like that sort of thing, first and foremost, isn't going to get you the best one rep max. Maybe on that day it will. 
And, and secondly, there's no skill transfer whatsoever. We need the skill to transfer to pressing gymnastics. We need skill transfer to the split jerk, push jerk, all that different stuff. So it'll seem simple, but it's a bit of like a blueprint. Here's what this is supposed to look like. And if you got to take some weight off the bar, you got to take some weight off the bar because there's no, if there's no scale transfer, then, you know, congrats. Um, we also have, and, and this, this is almost like a question to pose to our sort of number one contributors and, and fans out there. I want you guys to start to think of yourselves as like an executive producer of our YouTube channel. So we have a video of team misfit athlete, Holly Holgerson doing Maleficent. And he is essentially showing you the high end of what is doable in a workout like that. We want to know how often or never at all or <laughs> stop having Hunter and Sherb work out on video. Please, we want to know what you guys one. don't vote for that one. Um, <laughs> two to zero. What you guys think of that? Because obviously the, the production value is different. The explanation is a little bit different. Like, but we have noticed that people would rather watch you guys work out than than listen to me talk. Um, so we have we have figured out some things. I don't know. It's still two to zero when it, when it comes to that. Um, so watch that video. You know, take a look at someone being able to bite off twenty five calorie chunks in forty five seconds in the middle in the midst of other things. And you know, if every once in a while you want to see uh, you know Caroline Page Semenza Roy Gamboa, you want to see those kind of things. What does it look like when these guys do it? Let us know. Or maybe more valuable, what should it look like when I'm doing it? And not me personally, but you as the athlete, you're watching someone like Holly send it through that workout. No, we don't expect you to to do quite the the damage that he did in that workout. But it should look the same. It's just a different output. Just relative to you. Yeah. Yeah. So that effort, your effort is not unfortunately in his body, (laughs) (laughs) nor nor is there the Viking blood and, and mindset. But like you see what that looks like, you know, maybe yeah, what the strokes oh, per minute are. And you're an like, MFT athlete okay. looks like, you know, he's at 2000 calories per hour, but I'm at 1400. And that's, you know, sort of my version of this. Um, we also, last but not least, Team Misfit has dropped a Murph prep program. Hunter, yep. what is that? Yeah, we, we got a couple questions. Is it free? Do I got to pay for it? Uh, it is free. You do not have to pay for it. Um, Free for anyone, not just Team Misfit. Free gyms. for anyone. Wow. If you go to teammisfit.com team and click on the most recent blog post or to our Instagram, uh, one of our more recent posts is Murph Prep Program. You can go there. I'm going to have to go to teammisfit.com. Yeah, download it for free. <laughs> I need it. Um, it's basically, it's three training sessions between now and Memorial Day. So we've got kind of this coming, or I guess what would have been this past weekend. But if you're just hearing this and downloading it, there's still plenty of time to fit in three, you know, prep programs before Murph. Um, and we basically just kind of gradually increase the volume in, in the movements that you're going to see. So, you know, it starts with just running and, and prop the equivalent of about a half Murph. And then we add a little bit. And then finally we go with like kind of an unpartitioned three quarters Murph. So, um, it's just kind of a logical progression to get athletes comfortable with those movements in that volume, uh, starts off, you know, kind of like merry-go-round style where we say, Hey, 10 rounds of five, 10 and 15. Uh, and then our final one, it's, you know, it's like 75, 150, 225, 
reps unpartitioned. So um, just kind of an easy way to get athletes familiar with that, or maybe they haven't put their vest on since last year and they want to get a little bit of a little bit of volume and just get the feel for what it's like to wear a vest and work through those ranges. Mine's of motion. still drying. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so forever unclean three, we've got three, three great training sessions. All three include a warm up. All three include the, obviously the workout itself and then some notes, um, kind of like the focus of that specific session, as well as a couple ways to scale it. Um, obviously like we want athletes to the end with the end goal of doing the most challenging, but appropriate version of Murph for that athlete. So we provide kind of scaling <laughs> options. Um, and then just some general notes on, Hey, this is what we, what we're looking at or what you're looking at, what you should feel like. Um, and works as an awesome little, like, you know, grab a couple friends on that Sunday, open gym time, go through your, you know, your Murph prep so that on Memorial day or whenever it is that your gym is doing Murph, um, your athletes are, are set up for success. They're not going to be excessively sore, you know, risk, risk tearing their hands or injury or something like that. Right. And, and we've had this conversation internally a few times, like, we really dislike the idea of Murph prep so that you can figure out how to game Murph yeah. and try to get the best Murph time. Murph is not about your time. Murph is about feeling as basically as bad as you can putting out an effort that, you know, really drives you down into a hole. Maybe, maybe making it worse than it has to be, whatever, you know, that sort of angle, whatever angle you want to take with that to, to really pay homage. But Rabdo is not cool. Not being able to come to the gym for the next week is Bloody not hands cool. For three weeks. Never wanting to do Murph again because, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I like that that it has that step-by-step process there. But when you go in to do Murph, um, you're not, you know, you, you can you can race someone to try and make it hurt more, but your Murph time is not relevant. Your Murph effort and what you put into it is what is relevant. Yeah, and it me, is supposed to be really shitty. To me, it's about effort and virtuosity there. Like you make the movements as quality as possible. And for a lot of gyms that like, unfortunately weren't able to host a normal Murph last year, it might be two years since your last time you've run through Murph. So again, this is a yeah. very smart way to make sure that like you begin building in that volume. So like you said, you don't put your entire gym, you know, your coaches are hanging out by themselves with their coffee in the morning because no one shows up for the next three, four days because they're all so banged up from Murph. Yep. So totally free to download. Just uh, input your email address, click download, send it to your members, post it in your members Facebook group. I don't care. Send it, send it to your parents. All right, misfits, just a quick break. Shout out to our show sponsors. Hopefully save you a little bit of dough on some great stuff. Speaking of great stuff, sharpentheaxeco.com. Use the code word Kiala, K-E-A-L-A to donate 10% of the order amount to the Kiala Foundation. Head to the Kiala Foundation website to check that out amazing cause and you still save 10%. It's great. Now, something to pay attention to. The future. Pew, pew, pew. May 19th, the Misfit Athletics Semifinals Collection. While we think all this stuff is dope and we want you guys to buy it um, because we're a business, uh, it also goes a long ways in supporting the team Misfit athletes, getting them from point A to point B, getting them a they're a day early, so they're not stressed out. It's extra hotel, all that stuff. So all of our sponsored athletes would love it if you'd buy some semifinals gear, support them, show up at your semifinal on Saturday wearing that purple shirt. We got all kinds of good stuff coming on 
May 19th, sharpentheaxco.com. Use the code word Kiela. We are also brought to you by Pure Spectrum CBD. You can head to purespectrumcbd.com. Use the code word MISFIT to save on your first order. If you heard earlier in the episode- You can save on every order that you have with the code word MISFIT. Every order Always use it. What I was going to say though, we talked about earlier in the episode, Hunter and I doing that team misfit workout, the eight hang squat cleans and nine bar muscle ups. I knew for certain I was going to be messed up from it. So I asked my wife last night, can you rub some of that black label salve on my traps, biceps, and my bruised quads? Get some sexy music over this part. While I'm still very sore, I'm not as sore as I would have been because I really do believe in the product and I really like it for the uh, reducing inflammation and soreness effects. So again, you can head to purespectrumcbd.com. Use the code word MISFIT to save on all of your orders. Bam. Question of the day. What? Ooh. <laughs> hey. Ooh. Why do why do ads on podcasts suck? I don't know. You tell me. Because the people reading them don't regularly take or use the products that they are quote selling. But they get money. I am. <laughs> we. I am maybe one of the worst salesmen on the planet. Can arguably can confirm. But I take proper fuel regularly and i really really like it for a number of reasons mostly that my, my biceps are filling out this xl hoodie um proper fuel by far the best protein that i've ever drank mixes super well tastes really good i used to like have to mix my protein with milk or water um which just now you just eat it just slows it yeah so basically just turn it into pudding and eat it um, see if the spoon is office the Proper Fuel has everything that you need without having to lug around the proverbial hockey bag that Drew always talks about with your supplements, the creatine, leucine, fenugreek extract, pink salt, everything that you need to digest and repair your muscles after a training session. Um, not trying to sell it because it should, it'll sell itself once you have your, your own jug. Really good stuff. Head to properfuel.co. Use the code word MISFIT to save on your first jug uh, and you'll be, a, you'll be a believer. Bam. All right. Uh, we're also brought to you by ourselves, misfitathletics.com. Ooh. Sugar Wad Marketplace. <laughs> Two weeks for free. Um, you can sign up and really see what what the hell we're talking about when it comes to Hatchet and MFT and you know the vernacular that we use when it comes to certain programs and athletes. So um, you can go there to do that. And then teammisfit.com. We talked about this a bunch at the beginning of the podcast. This is the programming that we follow. And this is the programming that we write for affiliates. Uh, it's very well thought out. There's a lot of really good resources at teammisfit.com and like really good resources, daily notes for the coaches. What is this? You know, to be able to explain all these things that we're talking about in this episode, we provide that information. So it's not just the affiliate owner gets to say, thank goodness, I don't have to do this anymore. It's also the coaches go in and really learn how to help these athletes make the journey that we're talking about in this episode. Teammisfit.com or the Sugar Wad Marketplace. All right, back to the episode. All right, so parents, we we're we're gonna cats. get into it now. We're gonna get into sort of the topic of the day. The joke is that this would be the prepared <laughs> podcast and not the unprepared podcast. Um, shout out to Misfit Gym Portland member Heather Steves for giving us this idea for the for the podcast, and it's essentially we've built on the idea and come up with a structure here where we are talking about the different leaps that we see people make within the gym, within the community, within the sport. And we're going to start with 
not the coaching tips, but the anecdotes of what we see typically when these athletes do the thing. And then we will try to synthesize a little bit, maybe give, give some action items. Um, and to give an example, which will be the first example that we go, um, what do we typically see when an athlete makes it from goes from scale to RX? And essentially you're, you're talking about someone comes in and they've either been scaled, you know, maybe there are an experienced CrossFitter and they've been scaled for a long time and then something happens and they are now more traditionally an RX type athlete with what's written on the board. Or you've got an athlete that comes in, takes beginner's class and they, you know, have that RX or die mentality and they actually do put in some type of work to get there. Um, so basically, we're going to go around in a circle and give our, you know, sort of quick hitter examples of the things that we see. And then we'll break it down. So I don't know which one of you wants I'll, to go I'll first. Start. Um, scale to RX, you know, one of the things that comes in my mind <laughs> with a lot of athletes who look at this movement. Just so you know, I'm going to have the wrap it up B. So yep. if you go on one of your 90 no, no, minute be, tangents. Let's be relatively quickly. But, um, <laughs> so you have the movement pushups, right? All the athletes come into your gym, CrossFit gym, almost everybody that comes to a CrossFit gym is like, oh yeah, I know what a pushup is. And they bang out a couple and you're like, those aren't pushups. That ain't it. And for I a lot, do 75 no, right now, you have to do 500 in a row for a lot of athletes. Same. What typically push happens up over that mountain. is they continue to do bad pushups, bad pushups, bad pushups and get stuck and wonder why things like Murph pop up and they still can't do them very well. So we had an athlete over at our uh, Wyndham location for the longest time. She was just stuck at like, Hey, if it's more than 10 in a row, I, I want to keep trying to do RX, but I'm not going to be able to get there. And we just see bad pushups, bad pushups. And you're just like, please, for the love of God, take this one bit of coaching advice. And the advice was to use the box elevation pushup that we put out there for Team Misfit. Hey, if you're struggling to get good at pushups, you know, make it about the full body, not just your upper body, and have a version that allows you to accumulate some volume under a shorter time window so that you create the adaptation we're after. And after a little bit of hesitation, pushing back for a while, finally bought into it. And then recently we did a workout that had like 50 of them in it and was able to keep up with everybody else who was doing good pushups, but six months ago would not be able to do this, but had just bought into the idea of, Hey, if I modify the movement and get the stimulus, correct, I can start moving through this movement faster. And all of a sudden I build capacity. I didn't have before. So like the idea of like, Oh, I want to row a 2k. I better just row as hard as I can and see what happens. And eventually have a good 2k. Isn't necessarily the best idea. It's breaking it down into bite sized uh, chunks. Easy. Now Go ahead. coaching. Go ahead. Sorry. Nice. Um, <laughs> So my, my kind of anecdote here is that the, the athletes who do the best going from kind of, uh, I thought of it more as like from just coming into the gym, I'm going to assume that pretty much every athlete who starts CrossFit is a scaled athlete yeah. um, and is kind of got, got bit by the bug and is interested in like, uh, I really like this. The first, the first one is that the athletes who make that jump are the ones who are consistent. And that doesn't necessarily mean six days a week. That just means you are showing up on a consistent basis and and doing the right things in class. Um, the second thing is kind of along the lines of what you're saying is that they they didn't jump ahead in their movement and movement quality or putting a bunch of extra weight on the barbell or anything like that. They were obsessed with moving correctly, learning how to do things, spending more time than they probably wanted to with a PVC pipe or an empty barbell and, and, and sure as shit, they move, they move better. And my example is Anthony, uh, who like came in, he's still, he's still certainly what I would consider a, a scaled athlete. He's, he's a little bit, he's an older, he's probably like sick around 60, but 
He was so obsessed as a beginner and in the classes that I coached him, um, just moving correctly. And he is by far one of our best movers just in the gym in general. No, he's not slinging. He's not snatching 225, but he's snatching, you know, 65, 75 pounds really, really well. Um, and those athletes who, who make that leap are the ones who, who continue to progress because if you short that, the movement quality portion, um, that, that is a, you, you're going to have to take a lot more steps back to take steps forward than you want to. So it's, um, movement quality. And then the last thing is, um, talk to, talk to a, talking to a coach about just making sure you're eating correctly. We don't need to go super deep down this rabbit hole just yet, but as you kind of immerse yourself in the CrossFit landscape, more things kind of aside from just coming in, doing the workout, become apparent that that's what's needed to improve your health and your fitness and your, your, you know, if you want to make that jump to kind of the RX athlete. Um, and, and that's just kind of like the, I'll again, not, not make too heavy, big of a jump to like counting macros or intermittent fasting and stuff like that. That's probably not the point, but it's just talking to a coach, understanding like, Hey, what is, what is real food? What does that, what does that mean? What does it mean to, you know, eat correctly before and after I work out? That a little bit of, of an thing. education. Just, yeah. Just a super yeah. basic foundational education. Um, so I think when we're on the scaled to RX, RX to hatchet on this side of things, um, my anecdotes are sort of just that based on the type of coaching that I personally do based on the type of athlete that I, that I'm normally coaching. Um, and I think that just provides a little bit of a different, you guys are like in it all of the time. Yep. Like it takes up a lot, a lot of your time. I typically see, I typically witness some sort of physiological or biological transformation. And what I mean by that is a like large amount of body fat going away. Yeah. That's um, a huge one. A lot of muscle growth happening. So you get an athlete that comes in that, you know, and again, maybe they did also lose the body fat or, you know, we get a lot of, you know, hard gainers that come in that are from the endurance community or whatever. And you really start to see the muscle get packed onto them. And then, you know, not only can they start to do things they couldn't do before, but injury prevention, you know, starts to be a thing. But then there's also the energy system manipulation that you'll see. So you get an athlete that comes in that has an athletic background, but it's a bit more of what we would call like the popcorn muscles or something like that, <laughs> where like you look great. Show muscles, not go muscles. Yeah, show, not go. Um, <laughs> nice. I like that. I never heard so, that. That's Austin. So you <laughs> see kidding. that person and it's only <laughs> one energy system typically. They're willing to start sending it. So they get that, you know, these are the people that vomit a lot. Bless your heart. <laughs> um, Talking to Mark. We or need, <laughs> we need more of those, actually. Not the vomit, but the <laughs> right. Or you get someone that comes in that doesn't overdo it in the longer pieces and you start to see the power of an aerobic base starting to take over. They're willing to show up to sweaty Saturday and do the med ball runs or they do the engine class or whatever it is. So I'm typically seeing either or both this, this true physical transformation, or I start to witness what happens when an athlete starts to manipulate an energy system, because then it just spider webs out to all these other things. Um, the other thing that I thought of that, you know, will, will make some people laugh, but they're always a Kool-Aid drinker always. Oh yeah. The, the person that makes it from I'm 
A and I want to be B, they're the type of person that makes that happen because they've got that, you know, that effect of, wait, you can like coming to the gym and exercising. That's a real thing. I can enjoy coming to this place. Like someone is not only not going to judge me or make fun of me, but they're going to help me along the way. And every single person in here is like into that. Like that's a very powerful thing that you can buy into. And the people that do make it to that buy into it. Now there's some of that's like putting yourself out there. There's a vulnerability to that. There's a like, because there is still the, well, I don't know these people and you know, I don't have conversations with them, you know, that sort of thing. So and that's happening even a lot more now. Like now that we're starting to, with some of our outdoor classes, see people's faces that have joined the gym in the last year. I did not know they looked like that. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> like I legitimately never seen a person without a mask. <laughs> not know that they looked like that. When you see someone's eyes, you you typically are guessing, like you you make up what their face is. <laughs> and then it's always wrong. <laughs> Like the guess is always wrong unless they like friend you on social media or something and you that's see like. <laughs> like that sort of thing. But, um, so yeah, the, the, the Kool-Aid drinker, not only do I witness them just being really into it, but they're typically into the community and the social aspect, which again, I'm bringing up because that's more challenging right now. Um, so to get into, before we move on to RX to hatchet sort of, what could someone do here? And and from a coaching standpoint, I latched on to Hunter talking about the blank slate athlete, the fucking holy grail of someone showing up at the gym and not only not knowing how to do the movements, but willing to to listen to how to do them. There are a lot of people that have a willingness to change, but they've got a lot of just absolute turd movement baked into because they're, you know, high school football coach taught them to power clean way out and around and come over here, you know, that, that sort of thing, strap up and throw it away from you. And hopefully you can jump back in front of it. Um, so the blank slate athlete, I think, I think an action item to attach to that would try to be that athlete, Mm. try to wipe the slate clean. I don't know how to do these movements. I've never done them before. I'm going to pretend because I mean, honestly, a, with straps on that kettlebell swing thing is not a power clean. So let's just pretend you've never done a power <laughs> clean before. And it actually is supposed to stay really close and you transition under the bar, that sort of thing. So if you guys yeah, were sure. to take notes, if, if I you learned guys, straps, dude, I could put like 9,000 pounds on the bar. <laughs> Who cares if it looked like a power clean? It looked dope because all those plates are on it. If you were to apply a single action item to what you just talked about or to steal from what someone else just talked about, Scale to RX, what would it be? My action item is making sure if you are that athlete, you ask your coach how to get the best workout you can. Because to me, that almost takes care of everything else that needs to happen in class. Because if you are looking to get the point of whatever we're going through for that day, if you can find an objective from the coach and work on that single thing for the day, you are going to, with your you know consistent membership, get the growth that you're looking for, go from that scaled athlete to RX, but you have to be willing to have that conversation. So I, I agree with the vulnerability thing. Like you have to put yourself out there and say, all right, like the way I've been doing, is not working. How do I get better? That's true. Also, I was talking about the community aspect, but you're talking about coach to athlete aspect. Correct. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's important for sure. So I'm going to kind of assume that somewhere mixed in there was be obsessed with how well you're moving and learning these things. So I want to put that out there, but I'll take a separate route and say that um, a lot of times when an athlete, uh, whether even even experienced athletes who are still 
regularly scaling workouts, the probably the most common question I get is, how do I get my first kipping pull-up? And it's a hard conversation to have as a coach and uh, to sometimes to hear as an athlete. So as the athlete, I want you, you need to be, be willing to look at yourself and say, you know, am I basically is my nutrition on point? Am I carrying around more body weight than I need to or more body fat? Is there a way that I can uh, increase kind of my lean body mass and then ask a coach for how to do that, how to lean out a little bit uh, and and kind of that that will add tremendous value. I've had two athletes that I've worked with um, just in the past few weeks who are just like, hey, can you give me some macro numbers? Like, yep, absolutely. And that's always dangerous because I, I, I don't hold my breath because it requires so much adherence on the athlete's part to just do it. Um, and, and both of the athletes that I'm referring to have, have leaned out significantly and their conditioning has improved their, and, and therefore their overall fitness has improved. So make an honest assessment of whether, you know, you are walking around at the correct body weight for what you want to, what your goals are, and then ask a coach to, you know, to help dial that in. Yeah. And just to like, you know, put the stamp of verification on that. We, we often feel like it's, it's funny when I write the misfit musings, I get people that are like, why are you talking about me to everyone? Yeah. And it's like, well, first and foremost, thank you for reading, but I don't know you. So that might not be possible. Or I didn't know this thing about you. You can, it's very easy to feel singled out when something like this mm -hmm. comes up. We are talking about 75% of the 1,000 1, people, 750 people of the 1,000 people that have walked through the doors over the years of Misfit Gym Portland. Yep. So guess what? You're in the majority in this. You're not being singled out. Yeah. It's actually the That's opposite. It's the opposite of being singled out. It's just, you know, we, we have egos for, for, you know, evolutionary reasons, and it's hard to hear that sort of thing. Um, so that part is, I think, is important. Um, I'm, I'm going to double down on the, on the Kool-Aid drinker thing. I just think it's challenging sometimes, especially during COVID to immerse yourself in a community, to develop lasting relationships with your coaches so that you do trust them when they tell you something that's really hard to hear. Um, and then you, you're, you know, you're leaning on these other people in your class. You're chasing this one person, but you're helping this other person along, you know, there's this, the, the person that's your, you know, arch nemesis as a joke in class, you try to beat them in workouts and they try to beat you in workouts. Get into that. Like that to me is the action item. There is an experience in the gym that is waiting for you to sort of step up to the plate. And hopefully you go to a gym where the, the, the coaches know that they're trying to check this off and your community leaders are trying to check this box off as well. But there is a part of it where it's like, you would be amazed at how much fun you would have if you come out of your shell a little bit. And again, I, you know, of all people, I know what that's like and it is challenging, but it's worth it. I want to add one kind of action point for the coach real quick as well. This is a uh, going kind of the scaled to RX transition. The odds are that you're dealing working with this athlete is that they are relatively either new or inexperienced. And this is the most important time for you to develop a positive working relationship with that person because everything that you tell them um, is founded upon that trusting relationship that you just talked about, Drew. So if you are a coach, nurture that relationship, you know, and that might mean sometimes like an athlete wants to go maybe a, a hair heavier than they should, let them do it. Talk to them afterward about, hey, was you think that was a good idea? Was it not? Whatever. Um, build that rapport, build that 
level, build that level of trust with the athlete. And then when it comes time for you to have that difficult conversation, it's less difficult because that person trusts you and they know that you have their best interest in mind. That's the Gary V model, the jab, 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 indefinitely right hook. You are, you are setting the customer up the whole time for the right hook. You're building that trust level. You're saying, Hey, like, like, my number one thing with remote coaching clients is the very first thing we do is we obliterate one of your weaknesses as a coach, not that hard to do as a coach athlete relationship. One of the most important things you could possibly do for an athlete. So then when it's like, guess what? We're starting over on strict handstand pushups and we're going no more banana boat and we're going close to the wall and you're going to hate it for six months, but then you're going to be able to compete, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, cool. RX to hatchet. Sure. All right. Um, RX to hatchet to me, again, I don't want to duplicate steps, but the, the getting the buy-in from the athlete who is now anecdotes of things that you've observed. I've seen an athlete have success over and over again, then begins reaching out to whoever the coach is or whoever the leader is in the room and saying, Hey, you know, I thought class was really fun. I feel like I did the workout exactly the way it's written but I got a little extra time. And you know, last time the rowing intervals came up, I didn't do very good. Do you have an idea for me? I have athletes routinely reach out and say, all right, you know what? I've, I noticed in the open, I didn't do well here. Or last time this came up in class, I didn't have success in this single thing. Is there a thing you can help me with to kind of get you there? So, you know, you see on the direction of some of our weakness templates, or you send it to an athlete and say, Hey, guess what? Let's carve out a time for some PT. So we can kind of address very specific things, but almost always it's that athlete who starts to do really well in class over and over again and begins going, you know what? What happens if I add one more thing? And again, this is a careful line for a coach to teeter over because you can go very quickly in the wrong direction and all of a sudden it's 50 pieces a day. But to me, it's always that athlete who's starting to figure out the fact that they're at the top of the class and they love the potential they see in themselves and they want a little bit more to, to further develop that potential. Um, Man, I got, I got a couple on here. I, I think the... A little bit of extra time is the, is, yeah, that, that's going to be the line. Okay. So I'm taking regular class. I'm hitting most of the workouts as prescribed. I really want to improve. The next step is, yeah, maybe it is refining a little bit of the more advanced movements, things like, you know, your gymnastics or your weightlifting and that, um, when I say refine, I do not mean adding a bunch of unneeded volume. I mean, actually now, taking a look back, remembering that hopefully your trajectory was, okay, I'm a scaled athlete and I'm going to be obsessed with my movement. And that helped me get to the RX athlete. Now, how do you think you're going to go from the RX athlete to hatchet? Well, you might add a little bit more work, but you need to have that beginner mindset of, okay, I need to make sure that my movement and all the extra work that I'm doing is perfect and has a very intentional purpose. And that is as simple as, you know, as programming example, a 10 minute EMOM of five perfect toes to bar, probably something super like total volume is nothing crazy, but it's like, Hey, I'm going to be obsessed with my movement. It's maybe barbell yoga on a rest day to really hammer the positions of the Olympic lifts and stuff like that. So it's called barbell therapy, barbell therapy, sorry, not barbell yoga, barbell barbell yoga. (laughs) That's your warm up thing. But, um, so the athletes who do that, uh, kind of, yes, they add in a little bit of volume, but at the appropriate intensity is absolutely critical. You're not going to period. We don't get the rest <laughs> of your nuggets. Oh, okay. I'll keep going. I'll go a little <laughs> bit more. Um, 
your nuggets. Give him my nuggets. Come on, Pebble, give him the nuggets. Give him the nugs. <laughs> I paid for a fucking five piece. Um, three. So, so uh, with that, the consistency portion becomes even more, uh, more important. And I would say maybe probably even before adding in the extra work after class, the athletes who um, are consistent, like, five days a week. So if you are the going scaled to RX, you know, you might be able to get away with the th- three, four, five, four times a week. If you were like, I want to, you know, I'm going to start taking this a little bit more seriously. That is you are hammering the workouts with intensity five days a week. And it's not R- just five RX days a w- in a single week. Like that's, I think one thing that, that people get excited about something and they'll listen to this podcast and they do it for a month. We're talking about for like a year. Yes. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That, that, and that goes back to the consistency. It's okay. Like you have to, there are a lot of ways to measure progress, um, as well as kind of like progression as far as your total training load and training age. Um, so sneaking in, you know, into the extra class before it, before you start adding a bunch of extra pieces, make sure that you are, you know, when you are going to class those, hopefully ideally five days a week uh, you're really focused and really hammering it. And then if you find that your fitness is at such a level that allows you to add in that extra work, now we're starting to do that um, to, to kind of make that leap to the hatchet level athlete. There we go. Boom. Keep it like that. All right. Five piece nugget secured. Um, I actually think this happens high level. I always see this happen completely on its own completely like out of left field you know you think back through some of our athletes that have gone from scaled to mft scaled to games which does happen carol please exactly you know she posted uh her first muscle up the other day she posted on instagram yeah she was so really strong way back then if you watch that video she was strong way back then (laughs) and it's that thing it's you have to want to get your first muscle up and guess what does not happen in class it rarely happens in class yep um so, so we start to see that person handstand walking, you start to see it, they make it two feet and then they make it four feet. And then you see them, you know, string a couple of mats together and they're super pumped. You see someone again, that is working on, you know, doing wall balls or doing toes to bar, or, you know, you just see that thing that's bothering them in class and without any advice whatsoever, just grab a wall ball and go over to the wall. And it's like, well, like in other parts of life, if you practice things, you get better at them. So <laughs> why don't I apply that here? Like I yeah. always see this happen, just materializes out of thin air, this transition. You need a lot of direction on the scale to RX, but the RX to hatchet is is kind of like a passion thing where someone just starts to continue. Yeah, this is you like start that to get it. gray kind of area where it's like I... Oh, I, yeah, I've bit the, I got bit by the bug. I like this, but I want to, I really want my, I always want to be kind of at the top of the whiteboard with my time or with my score and whatnot, or, and maybe it's like, "Mm, like local competition coming up. This might be, maybe I should just do a little handstand walking practice or something like that. Right. And then the other thing that I see is we have so many pieces where it's 70% of your one rep max, or it's a doable set of this movement, or it's a monostructural piece where you got to know what your pace would be if everything was put together. The athlete starts to 
realize that they need to know the answer to those questions so that they can purposefully follow an actual program. So they come to the gym and it's like 70% of nothing is not like, what are you talking about? (laughs) This makes no sense. So you have to go based on feel. I start to see someone want to know their Helen time, their Fran time, their 2K row, their one mile run, their 5K run, their one rep max back squad and all these different lifts so that they can again, walk into class and not have to ask a question about what should this feel like. They have that education there. Um, So you could think about that as benchmark tracking or just paying attention when you're doing monostructural pieces or, you know, we haven't done a one rep max, you know, X, strict press, split jerk, whatever in so long and just stay after and do this. Like I'm going to show up at an open gym and and sort of go there. So I, I really do find like, the, the RX to hatchet transition is like the athlete feels like they got to do it. I got to do this. I got to like, I want more out of this. I see the other athletes in the hatchet class. I want to be there. So you just start showing up and sometimes you yeah. do the third piece and sometimes you don't. What's, what's coach doing over there? That looks like fun. Exactly. Like, can I jump in? Like those are the people that make that transition. And then once you make the transition and you're capable of being a hatchet athlete, I think that's when you, start to ask yourself, do I even want this? Yep. Because it entails so many, there's so much else. Don't go ahead. That's like attached to it. Um, one single action item associated with RX to hatchet. Single action item is making sure you are crushing the class stimulus or the single piece you are doing first. Make sure that it's dialed in and you're doing it proficiently before moving on. Half ass, a ton of volume. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Um, yeah, fuck. That's pretty much mine. Uh, five days a week crushing class assess kind of the, his is a bit more micro though. Yours is a bit more macro in the sense of, we got to string this together. Like we really, you get, you got to do it every day. Yeah. Yeah. So longer, longer term consistency. And then it's when you're staying after class, it's like, I'm going to, you know, think about the things that I struggled with and last week or over the last month or over the last year or the last open, whatever, you know, it was my first open, whatever, what things did I struggle with? What, what's a, what's kind of the low hanging fruit of things that I can improve? Because I, this is not the point where I want to say like, you need to do a back squat program. You need to, you know, you need to be on your, this, your own like weakness crushing program. It's still very much just like, Hey, what are the little things that we can do outside of the class to to improve some some patch up some small holes in our fitness as we transition to that hatchet level athlete? An action item associated with it always just happens on its own means you need to make it happen. So the action item Desire. is every time something happens in class that pisses me off, you know, I don't go full goldfish and forget until the next time that it comes up. Yep. It gets on your list. You know, it goes, you know, <laughs> on the it, list. Yeah. I mean, I, I start calling I, myself I, the goldfish. My, li- <laughs> my list was on my wall. Mm. You know, I had the chalkboard wall in my garage and I just, just go write it down. Like, what the fuck? What a fucking loser. <laughs> oh my God. What idiot. Idiot. <laughs> like, and I, then I would just do them that one thing three times a week in ladder form. Like, is it the best idea ever? No, but not doing that is a way worse idea. Mm, yeah. So forever. <laughs> like for me, it was very much sport driven, ego driven. It doesn't matter why you <clears throat> want to be better at it as much as do something about those like gaping holes in your game. hundred percent. Hatchet 
to MFT. MFT. I want I want this one first. Oh, you All do? Right. All right, go I, ahead. Yeah, I do. Don't take my Overriding. fucking idea. You better not look at my screen. I got is this two, a twenty piece nugget? This is a no. It's this a family is, meal. This is a, it's from KFC. <laughs> yeah, this is the KFC bucket. <laughs> oh this is the KFC bucket. bowl. I got dibs on the, that thing of gravy. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Holy shit. I would have killed my whole family to be able to get that. Me, the Karen and Claire. I was Kelly young and dumb. I needed the gravy. the gravy. The best hot lunch day in the Scarborough school system was the KFC bowl, the chicken nugget with the corn and the mashed potato and the gravy. It we was, didn't have that, but we had mashed potatoes and gravy and we complained to the point where they had it every day. They had pizza and mashed potatoes and gravy every single <laughs> day. For your help, Scarborough day. High School. Yes. That's when you like rally around Thanks, like class of the kid that should never be the president of your class being the president of your class. And yeah. he's like, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes. That's a good platform like, to run on. I'd say. Mashed yeah. potatoes is the platform. Mashed I'm, I didn't have to kill anyone in my family. Behind the big issues. You get a KFC bowl. You get a... It worked. That's that's good stuff. All right. Anyways. Patch it to MFT. And you you started to go down this rabbit hole, and I'm really glad you didn't use my tagline, but this is where you need to be obsessed about athlete IQ. Um, This is where we start to see the athlete starting to, like you said, pay attention not only to like... I know my benchmarks. I know my Fran time. I know my 2K row pace. I know my 10K run pace. I know all of these little details. Um, Having that information to draw on is absolutely critical. So we're not going towards that, you know, adding in volume necessarily. We're taking the hatchet level volume occasionally maybe you know we're adding like fasted cardio and stuff like that, which is something I'll, I'll also add. But um we need to be smart. We need to be, you need to start developing that athlete IQ and the intelligence, knowing how to uh, modify a workout, when to modify something, and then uh, and then attacking it with the appropriate intensity with the desired stimulus in mind. So this starts to come, we, we need to start to look at, the. these athletes are starting to look at the descriptions and understand what gas means, what the different, why, you know, what cardio or conditioning stimulus means saying like, Hey, how do I need to modify this so I can keep going and not stop moving for the entire 20 minute AMRAP? Um, athlete IQ is, is probably that the big overarching theme for hatchet MFT. The next thing I'm not done yet. Oh, come on. I got the bucket here. (laughs) Um, so along those similar lines, so you are you are we, we're crushing class. We're adding in some extra training pieces, and we're doing those well. This is also the line where we see a lot of athletes think they are farther ahead than they are. This is the athlete who like is doing one. the hatchet program and thinks that because something comes up in the MFT program that they quote can do as prescribed, they should do as prescribed. That is again. Think about what took you from scaled to RX, RX to hatchet. It was hammer the workouts. It was be obsessed with movement. What makes you think that going from hatchet to MFT is going to be any different? You need to be dedicating the appropriate intensity to the workouts before you start kind of playing with the big dog, so to speak. So that that's probably the most common thing, and we see it on... Social media is the easiest example just because it's so public. It's like this person, I'm watching this person, they're, they're, they're one rep max, they're fired up about a new one rep max, but I know for a fact that they, they follow the MFT program and it's like, man, we've, we've talked a lot about what the kind of, we've, we've tried to put even hard numbers to the line. It's like, are you a top 300 athlete in the world? 
you're probably you might be qualified for M- you're qualified for MFT. If you are not, you are not qualified for MFT. And it's super hard to draw those black and white distinctions. But I would say a, a large portion of followers who are trying to do those MFT workouts would be better served looking at Hatchet, looking at MFT, and probably finding a middle ground if the goal is to go from Hatchet to MFT. The last little thing I'll say on this is that this athlete, um, this is where the lifestyle starts to come into play a little Take bit. all of them, okay? Um, Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, this is where that starts. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it. Then no, I'll talk to you. No, no, no. You, okay, so this is where the lifestyle thing comes into play. I'm a hatchet level athlete. I'm hitting three piece training pieces per day pretty hard and have the aspiration to go towards that MFT program. I which, had nine grams of protein yesterday. <laughs> perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. Um, um, if, if, if that's your goal, you have to understand that the MFT program, who it's written for is that, you know, aspiring semifinals and games level athlete. And we're asking those people to train three to four hours a day, which should ideally be broken into multiple, probably two training sessions based on, you know, your lifestyle. So if you have have to ask yourself again, am I going to just cram in volume into this one and a half hour window or two hour window that I have to train? Or uh, am I taking this seriously enough that I'm going to start to shift kind of my lifestyle around a little bit to accommodate a little bit more training and recovery? Hold on one second. So the the joke that always comes to mind is one of you guys saying to me, Drew, do you think that you could maintain intensity in this workout with the way you want to do it? Mm -hmm. And then I say, no, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Drew, you you have that moment. You have the Holiday Express moment, (laughs) Holiday Inn Express moment, and then... You come out the other side and you, you know, whatever, go back to the day's end and do what you're supposed to do. But that's just the thing that always pops into my head. It's like, I'm feeling frisky right now. I all stayed right. at a Holiday Inn Express <laughs> So since Hunter took all of them, uh, my anecdote is just, I think Caroline personifies this journey as well as anybody else. And I feel like maybe that's sort of what was in your mind too when you were thinking about this. But, you know, I go back to, I had this photo on my phone from September 11th, 2016, and it's her hunched over a bucket just hating life. I think we were doing like eight by like, or 10 by 250 row. And I don't know if you know about Caroline, but rowing is not exactly her favorite thing, but she understood (laughs) that if I'm trying to move the needle, I am trying to become that athlete who is no longer just really fit in class or able to maybe sneak into a competition and do decent. I want to be the best. I'm sick of being bad at something is taking ownership over something you're not very good at and saying, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this one thing. And we used to joke that back on Warren Avenue, our old location, we used to like bully each other into doing fitness pieces because like, you'd be like, oh, let's do the, uh, I don't know, let's do the running workout. I'm like, fuck, let's do the dead, deadlift workout. And then we'd fight <laughs> for a half hour and then we'd end up doing both. Like, and then come find me and tell me the other one cheated. Yeah. Hunter can do like 50 wall balls <laughs> to my Listen, five. I was never part of that group. <laughs> no, that was, that was a different squad back then. But uh, to me, it's that it's the again going back to athlete iq and taking ownership over the things that you're not good at and saying you know i am sick and tired of being mediocre at this one thing and i'm gonna put that maybe on a pedestal for a small dose of time so i can see the improvement i'm going for so to me it's just that like being willingness that the willingness to go into a training session and going i know that i'm not going to beat anybody at this workout but this is what i need the most this is what i have to do and realizing that beating someone on a random wednesday means jack shit it's about growth Fact. All right. I have quite a few, so I'm going to go kind of rapid fire here. 
um, the, the hatchet <clears throat> MFT athlete follows a program, a periodized, mm-hmm. like has percentages in it. Um, and sticks to it for an extended period of time. We see people who should be able to make the hatchet to MFT leap, but they'd rather leap programs back and forth. I'm over here. I'm over there. I had a bad week and you should know that that means you're overreaching and about to come out the other side. Great. But you get discouraged and stop. Um, they seek advice. So that individual journey that is RX to hatchet, you start to see someone who seeks advice on exactly what baskets to put how many eggs into. So when you're RX to hatchet, you're sort of just getting in real time feedback. When you're making this next big jump, you're asking someone, you're asking, you know, a professional to help you with what are the things that you should be working on? Because we talk a lot about how the movements don't matter in the workout. It's the stimulus that we're after. So if that's true, then only working on specific weaknesses related to movements isn't going to check that same box off. Um, there's a lot of people that don't want to hear you got to go sit on the C2 bike or start, you know, logging your Sunday miles or whatever. Um, and that's why they don't ask the question. Uh, lifestyle changes are really big. And when I say lifestyle changes, I'm talking about sleep. I'm talking about nutrition, I'm talking about auditing personal relationships. If there's a motherfucker in your life, that's stressing you out, making it really hard to, you know, to get your shit done. Um, they also definitely 100% start to compete. Like I, I have the, 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 mm, the, yep. the that's a good one. That's a really the good bug, one. the itch, that feeling like I want to compete you know, I'm, I'm the big fish in the small pond, you know, where can I go to figure this out? You know, Fraser talks about traveling New England to pick up $300 checks from different places. And I think that's that thing that happens when you start to get that bug of, you know, I mean, he says he was financially motivated, but yeah. now we see probably that's a, that's a he's big just one. an it's absolute like, animal. Oh, the open comes around. You're not feeling great. I don't know if I'm going to sign up. Oh. I don't think like, mm, that if, if you got to ask that I'm question, throwing hands, I hear God, that. Yeah. That's, that's the case. Go back nuts. to class and just have fun. You know what I mean? Right. If that's the situation, it's not a bad thing at all. Thing at all. Yes. Except if you are projecting your identity as this. Yep. And then, well, I'm a weightlifter now. Um, every goddamn march (laughs) (laughs) i am no longer a hobbyist and what i mean by that is we've talked about lifestyle changes where we have a very specific you need nine hours of sleep you need 200 grams of protein you need 500 grams whatever no longer a hobbyist to me means you start to make sacrifices that you would not associate with fitness so you don't go out with friends on at a certain time, you start to like things that would be potentially good, but it just not everything can't fit in you know, a magical journey. utopian life can't fit. So you actually do start making less money. You take a day a week off of work, whatever it is, those sort of personal sacrifices that are not easily measured like a lot of other lifestyle changes. We start to see that and that gets the ball rolling. I don't want to skip ahead, but that gets the ball rolling for something this massive metamorphosis that will take place mft to games one single action item hunter you're going first uh you went first yeah it's it's uh the training pieces that you do this is this is the kind of last i I like to think the scaled to rx is where you you're one learning the movements but also you're you're still developing your fitness so there's a lot of value in in kind of having that reckless abandoned approach to some workouts. Hell yeah. Um, that's such a, that's such a massive game changer for, and it's everybody, almost everybody has to have 
an anecdote of when they went way too hard as a beginner. They, you know, they their first RX Fran or first RX Unbroken Fran, how miserable oh, that was. Oh, your first workout wasn't Nasty Girls? <laughs> you didn't have to pull over to the side of the road for 45 minutes? <laughs> oh, man, that reminds me of poor Connor. First assault bike workout, that... Eat full Connor the thing. Say, Connor you can't say thing. his name and then say what happened. So we're going to bring right. this story up again at some point. You okay. guys can maybe connect the dots. He did great. I'm, I'm so proud of <laughs> yeah, him. He did great. He's, he's the best. Um, so it's don't that again, that's the, the scaled to RX, RX to hatchet. We kind of, we don't backtrack a little bit, but we have more information. We kind of know what to expect a little bit. We see a workout. You, you know, you're like, okay, I, I can, I might be able to strategize this a little bit. Then when we go to hatchet to MFT, we almost take a step back to kind of what got us here in the first place. And you have to be dedicating a high degree of intensity to the workouts that you're doing before you say to yourself, I'm going to attack the MFT version of this piece. If you cannot attack the hatchet version with the requisite intensity and to get the desired stimulus, you're not quite ready for MFT yet. So, um, for me, that's the knowing how and when to scale. And that goes back to the athlete IQ thing, knowing uh, when it's appropriate to maybe make a little bit of a jump towards the MFT version of just this one workout, just this once, this one time this week, I'm going to do the MFT version, see how I stack up. But then I know I'm still going to try to hammer these hatchet pieces as best I can. So uh, it would be understanding the concepts of intensity and the desired stimulus. And if you can check both of those, not one or the other, both of them, then we can start talking about moving toward that MFT realm. To, to me, I think you you know nailed it pretty well, Drew, the having a plan and making sure that plan is thought out and it's not just randomly bouncing around from one thing to the other, but kind of addressing something very specific and saying, I guess what, this, this program was put out for the next eight weeks. I'm going to get better at my 2K row. I'm going to put it in every single session, regardless of how little I enjoy rowing, knowing that I'll be better for it. So to me, it's having that plan and addressing very specific weaknesses versus just kind of general fitness, which is what I think takes someone from the RX to the hatchet. Um, I want to clarify what, who we think this person is before saying what I think the action item is. Um, my mind goes to brother Ali, bad motherfucker. Like, if you are what we consider the person making that transition to MFT, you are a semifinals level athlete, mm-hmm. not a semifinals aspiring athlete. Yep. Um, that to me is a very important before saying what you need to do to be that athlete. I think that that matters because there are a lot of people striving to be the MFT athlete while following MFT. And while that can happen, it's probably going to take a little bit longer Um, so again, just, you know, we always have the nods to the hatchet program itself. And I think that part's important. The action item is to seek and gather and use advice. So that goes to sticking to a program, seek advice on which things you should be paying more attention to lifestyle changes, coach. What competition do you think that I should be going to that sort of stuff? But it still is, it's, it's halfway to what we're going to say about the games athlete you are still gathering the information yourself from different sources. You're going to different places, you're educating yourself and you're using that information. Um, whereas you're sort of your own coach in the RX to hatchet. You're trying to, you know, gather information from other people to, again, you're still sort of coaching yourself a little bit, but you're gathering information from other people. You haven't developed 
maybe a specific one-on-one relationship with that person. Um, but I feel like I'm talking to basically everyone listening to this podcast right, right now that isn't a remote coaching athlete. Yep. Um, so seek advice on all of those topics all the way across the board and seek it from different places. Seek it from misfit athletics, seek it from our competitors, seek it from old, you know, training manuals and all that crazy stuff, but try to try to get interested in enough that you can start to check off more boxes yourself. MFT to games athlete. You going first? Or am I going first? You can go first. I won't cat up. My, my thing for that athlete. Now I'll steal both your ideas. They've, no, they've dialed in all the things that we've talked about up to this point. Um, but I think the point at which you start to believe that you belong on the stage with the best athletes and they're no longer, oh my God, look at them over there. But fuck that. I can beat that person at this workout. I'm ready for this. That like desire to take on those idols you had when you first walked in the door, started to get interested in competitive CrossFit and say, you know what, you know, they're not that much better at me at this. I can fucking give them a run there. And I always go back to let someone like Cody who, you know, for years and years when he was coming to the gym, when he was like 16, 17, 18 years old, we're like, that kid could be a CrossFit games athlete if he believes it. And he would do things every once in a while. It would blow your mind walking off the street as a 17 year old kid in row a six, like 42 K on his first time ever being on a rower. It's like, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen for a lot of people. But until you believe you belong, you are going to constantly think that there's that doubt in your mind that doesn't allow you to reach that last, like, I don't know, two to 3% of your potential. And I really do think that's a critical element in taking that final leap from, Hey, I'm really, really fit. And I like to compete to like, I'm going there for my Reebok swag pack to, I want to go take the check home. I want to be the guy at the top of the podium at the end of the weekend. So. Wow. I'm in the same room as Tia Claire Toomey. Cool. To <laughs> exactly. Coming for you, Tia. Like, yeah. I'm taking that spot. 40th. These, I mean, and these people have that itch that we talked about, they have it in beginner's class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We never have to bring up <laughs> that you need the itch. Like they got it. It's like step one. It's <laughs> always there. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I got, I'll give you my four quick hitter bullet points. Get a coach, get good training partners. Oh, you're stealing my ideas. Gym slash recovery is your life and you need the support structure. So, okay. So you need, so you are, you are an MFT athlete. We're, we're assuming, um, we're not assuming you are an MFT athlete. You have all of the skills, you have the, you have the desire, you know, you have that kind of, you've developed that athlete IQ, you have gathered enough information, you've sought the assistance from other people. Um, now you need help. You need, you need a coach to probably point out things that you're not necessarily paying attention to, or you, you need a coach to help you really, really fine tune some movement efficiency stuff, stuff that, you know, maybe in beginner's class, we're not teaching you how to Metcon snatch, but you're trying to go faster. So we're going to teach you how to, you know, do some very sports specific style of, of movement efficiency and stuff like that. Um, the training partners thing is huge, even even if they're not necessarily at your level, because, you know, the higher we kind of climb the that that peak narrows, there are fewer athletes at the top. Um, if if you don't have somebody who's neck and neck with you, Caroline and Austin are like super fortunate really to have each other uh, being both at a, such a high level together with strengths and weaknesses that complement each other. Um, but just having, having training partners can be a huge, uh, a huge benefit to your training. Um, but at the same time, you have to be okay with being there by yourself. There's so, there's going to be, it, it is lonely at the top. 
which is 100% true. You have to be willing to put in that work when nobody's watching and that sort of thing. Um, and then kind of the, the gym slash recovery and support structure, I'll just wrap into one for kind of the sake of time. But um, this is the point where now, like you've said, maybe, yeah, you took you took a day off of work or something like that to get in your training. You you now need to really try to rearrange your life. It It is no longer the gym gets put around, you know, your job and your life. It is your life and relationships and stuff that get put around your training and recovery and stuff like that. Um, but with that, you can't do that unless you have that support structure to support you in your decision, not necessarily support you financially uh, is not, I mean, that would, that's an important point, but it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like you have, if Sherb's my, Sherb's my husband, Hey, Hey hun, I need to, I, I need you to be okay with me not being home until late on, on Saturday night, because I'm going to be training. Like I'm going to, miss, I hate you. I'm going to meet, I'm going to miss, <laughs> I'm going to miss dinner with the family and the kids and, or I'm going to sit down and I'm going to microwave my, you know, ideal macros. Like, and then and and it's going to smell is, like broccoli in the kitchen. Smell, like, everyone's going to be some short ribs. I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and Sherb is, is perfectly fine with that. He's like, yeah, I I'm, we're on board a hundred percent. And that also requires you as the athlete to be fully fucking honest with yourself and the people around you. And this is not, you're not the person who's just like, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a run. Why if don't you, they understand you, this thing? I haven't explained. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you, if you do not have the buy-in from a yourself and b your support structure, that is going to, that's going to go downhill a lot quicker than it goes uphill. Or I guess the opposite. It's going to go bad before it goes good. Did you go first? I did. So it's your turn. I forgot what you said. So maybe I'll steal your stuff. Maybe I won't. Um, so my only asterisk here is that there's a pretty good chance that you, if you're seeking this advice, that you are not the exception and the rules do matter. Like there are exceptions to the rule in Mm -hmm. every single thing, but they're those outliers, those people that don't ask for our advice. They sort of create their own scenario. Fair. Um, massive, massive, massive lifestyle changes. These are no longer conversations we're trying to have. They no longer have a gray area. You do these things or you don't make it. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking all of them. I'm talking sleep. I'm talking nutrition, you know, dealing with the stress in your life, recovery. Are you the type of athlete that goes all out and then sits on a couch the rest of the day? That's not going to cut it. Um, do you do your aerobic work? You know, all that. Um, I would say the most specific one that I have based on the amount of athletes that have come to misfit athletics training camps as semifinals or not even semifinals athletes, and then go to the CrossFit games is they're obsessed with movement efficiency and they're not only obsessed with movement efficiency, but the, like the light switch got turned on for them. Because they show up, they have the ability, they have the energy systems, you know, they have the musculature, all of these things, and they can't connect the dots because no one's ever taught them how to move properly. Like if an athlete comes to work with me and they're doing pretty well and they move like shit, I get so excited because it's like, this is going to be easy. so easy. <laughs> like, this is going to be so easy. Your engine's insane, well, they're, but you they're, suck they're at this. They're the opposite of a blank canvas. They're not a blank canvas. I They're a blank canvas, but it's a canvas that just needs a few touch-ups and you have the opportunity to really push sure. your, your influence into it. Right. So obsessed with movement efficiency, but typically not yet. 
So like they make the transition by becoming obsessed with movement. They don't know it. Um, Every single one of them has a coach. When I say everyone, I mean every single one. And everything that we do is an advertisement for Misfit Athletics and remote coaching or following this, you know, program or that program. And there are seven of us that do the remote coaching and we would love to be your coach, but not every CrossFit Games athlete is coached by Misfit Athletics, but every single one of them has a coach. Your blueprint needs to be laid out for you. You cannot show up and go, okay, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. You are taking away from your personal, mental, and physical resources to create something that should be created for you. Accountability is also built into that. So you have these athletes and you see them and they're the ones that buy in to those accountability pieces when it's like, all right, let, you know, sign up for the whoop team dashboard or whatever it's called. And you slip for how, like, why are we having, why are we having this conversation? It's athletes that are okay with those sort of things that, that, that welcome those sort of things. Um, and I just think it's, you know, I did not have this on my list. It didn't even cross my mind. The support structure thing is so important to me. If you become the athlete that, sets the or sets the expectations with other people. You get a lot of people out there that wish they had someone in their life or more people in their life that understood what they were doing that also don't explain what they're doing. They don't tell their significant other, their cousin, their coach, their whatever. They don't tell the people in their life. It means this much to me. And it would mean an equal amount to me if you were to support me in what I do. That's a conversation that you have to have. Have to. Like, and those are big conversations, but those are the types of conversations that can move the needle. You know, you can go from, do I make it? Can I even make it to the games to not only do I make it every year, but I care if I'm in seventh versus 29th. There's a lot of athletes that are just trying to make it to the CrossFit games, but these are the types of things. These are just the gaining the slight edge over your competition. Those are the types of things that we see in athletes. They have that support system because their support system knows what it means to them. If they're completely removed from it and it just seems like you're neglecting them, it's not going to be a great personal relationship, no matter what level it's at, whether you're married or it's just a friend. And we see like every athlete that has success has these group of people around them, whether or not it's, whether it's three people or it's 50 people, depending on who you are, like similar to every single one has a coach. Every single one of these athletes has a, has a group that comes with them. You see them walking at the CrossFit games in posses of anywhere from three to 30 people. It's because they built this, this opportunity to have high level success because they're open and transparent with people around them. And those people want nothing more than to see that person succeed, but it's a give and take. They work together in this regard. So, um, I don't know if you're ready for final thoughts or like one single action item. I was just going to add to the weep. We, uh, we, we kind of alluded to it and this is where I was going to, I wanted to bring it up is the podcast with Paige. Um, we talked about how, or she talked about how much better her training is going, how much, how well she feels and her leaderboard score or her spot on the leaderboard is indicative of that being 12th in the world. She has a, she's a, a terrific, you know, boyfriend and personal relationship, things in her personal life are going super well. Um, and that just goes to show how, how important that is that when she's coaching her 20 hours a week at the affiliates, she, she's dedicated to giving as much energy to those people as she is to give it, putting the energy into her own training. 
And those people, they see that and they want to help her. All of a sudden, Paige now has two gyms worth of members who want to see her succeed. With Caroline and Austin, it's the same thing. She When they come out, they they have a smile on their face. They're coaching. People like enjoy interacting with them. They want them to succeed. They 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 feel it for them when they struggle in a quarterfinals workout. They celebrate them with them when they crush it. And that whole that whole system just brings the level of competition up for that athlete so high. But that requires you as the individual athlete to be you probably need to give more up front than you are going to receive initially, because if you give that and you get that back, that like that rebound effect is massive. Action items. Mine is realizing at this level, at the highest level of our sport, everything that you do is either a plus or a minus. Every single thing you do is either going to take you one step closer to your goal or one step further and realizing there's going to be a whole hell of a lot more pluses than there are minuses. And don't get me wrong. You should still go out and have fun with your friends occasionally, but realizing that a lot of times, yeah, sometimes it could be a way to blow off steam. But for a lot of the people here, you have to realize that every single action that you do either takes you closer or further away. And you need to be hyper aware. sort of what you were saying with the athlete IQ, that certain things are helpful. Certain things are not helpful and you need to maximize the amount of helpful things and minimize the amount of things that are not helpful. Sherb said everything. He didn't say most things. He didn't say <laughs> some things. He said yeah. everything. And that's just how it, has it is. To be. Yeah. It has to be. It's fucking crazy, by the way. It has to be. It's But it's the reality of if you want to be this thing, that's, you know, sort of where you're at. Um, for me, the the action item is everything that you can take off of your own plate you should and you should give it to someone who is an expert in their field so we're talking nutrition we're talking sleep we're talking what is your training um and and when you do that not only are you receiving back again like i said the blueprint that you should not be creating but that accountability piece is so huge if you want to go to the crossfit games and you're still skipping your aerobic pieces. If you want to go to the CrossFit games and you are still, you know, moving like crap in Metcons, not, you know, or seeing how high of a score you can get in skill work, it's called skill, you know, for a reason, you're supposed to try to improve and get better at something. That's just no good. So when you have that person that is in charge of those things, not only are they writing it down for you, but they're supposed to know how it went and they're supposed to know what it looked like. And those sort of things are how you can move the needle when it comes to that. There is so much physical and mental energy put into going into the gym and executing that you're just not going to have the resources to check off all these boxes on your own. And hopefully at this point, you can get a coach for free and tell people you follow their program so that they get more customers. Hopefully you can you know, work with a nutrition coach who does the same thing. Hopefully you can get sponsors because of, you know, sort of the lifestyle that you lead and, you know, put onto social media, whatever it is. But Man, that's, I mean, it, it certainly has the overall feel of the support structure, but there's a professionalism in the support structure that also matters quite a bit. Uh, yeah, so mine, to me, the foundation for getting all of these things into place is a full and honest assessment and then commitment to that goal. It is, I... I want to be, I am going to be a CrossFit Games athlete. I am going to do the things that are necessary. I am, I understand and accept the sacrifices that need to be made and putting it out there and being truly honest with yourself. And then it's time to have those conversations like, hey, I've committed family. Can you support me? 
coach, I need help. I've committed like whatever you, whatever you say goes, well, obviously within, within reason. Um, and then it's it, all of those things start to fall into place. So as the athlete, it is, it is the commitment to under having an understanding of what it takes. And then, like you said, the ability to, uh, delegate and almost and just trust kind of people that you're allowing to help you on that journey. I really like the idea of putting it out there in the universe too. We talk about all the time with athletes who have big goals. It's like, if you don't put it out in the world, you don't let people around you knowing it, how, how are they going to be there to support you? So I, I really do love that concept of, you know, if you have a big goal like that, tell people about it, make it the thing you live and breathe every single day, because if it's on the front of your mind and people know around you that you're doing those things, and that genuinely want to help you, they're going to help you succeed by finding ways to make your life easier because you in turn do something for them. Whether you know it or not, you just listened to how to go from your on-ramp class to the CrossFit Games. It was one of our longer episodes, but an extremely important topic. So I'm glad that we took the time to really suss that out. Um, Thanks for listening to the episode and thanks again to our show sponsors, sharpentheaxeco.com. Use the code word Kiala, K-E-A-L-A to donate 10% of your order to the Kiala Foundation while also saving 10% of your order. Properfuel.co. Use the code word misfit to save on your very first order of proper recovery, your complete post-workout nutrition solution. PureSpectrumCBD.com. Use the code word misfit to save and teammisfit.com, misfitathletics.com, Sugarwad Marketplace. Try what we're doing for two weeks for free at any of those spots. And as always, I am at Misfit Coach on Instagram. Slide into those DMs. Let me know what you thought of the episode, what you would like to hear next. I'll see you next week. Oh,